Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, it's good to have you here. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor of the Vineyard. If this is your first time, Love having you in the room. And here's what we're doing right now. We are in the middle of a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And here's what we're up to or why we're doing that. Uh, The biggest reason is this. Like here at the Vineyard, we wanna be disciples who actually have the character and heart of Jesus. Like we wanna be people who on the inside reflexively are who Jesus is. Uh, We wanna learn how to have the character, the integrity, and the heart of Jesus. And we wanna learn how to express that without gritted teeth. How many of you know that you can sometimes do the right thing and on the inside you're just like, I want to burn your house down. (laughs) And we wanna move past that, we really do. And we wanna become people who reflexively have the character and the heart of Jesus. And uh, so we've been picking up this series here called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's actually a book, I hope you've been reading it and we've been doing it in some of our home groups as well. And the reason that we're after this idea of emotionally healthy spirituality is because because it's part of what it means to have the character and the heart of Jesus. Uh, One of the things that we've been saying over and over in this series is that it's impossible to be spiritually mature while being emotionally immature. I wanna say that again. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while maintaining emotional immaturity. Uh, Let me put it another way. You can be chronologically 43 years old but in your heart or in your emotions, you could be stuck at 12, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, well, that's me, you know? <laughs> well, here's the good news. Uh, it's possible for us to move past that and actually grow in our emotions and to grow up and to be a mature person. Uh, if you've been reading the book, uh, Uncle Pete, that's what I call him. <laughs> Uncle Pete's been giving us some really good stuff. And I just want to quickly move through some stages of emotional maturity with you here real quickly this morning, and then we'll dive into the, the bigger stuff of what I want to talk about. But Uncle Pete, he says, he says, this is what emotional infants look like. So Cody, if you can help me out here, thank you. Emotional infants, they look for others to take care of them. They have great difficulty entering the world of others. They're driven by the need for instant gratification, and they use others as objects to meet their needs. You know, anybody know someone like that? Don't raise your hand. Are you married to them? Don't raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay, let's, let's go on to, uh, to children. Um, here's, here's emotional children. Uh, emotional children are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. Give me what I want, I'm happy, right? Uh, unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials. Uh, this is a big one, number three. Interpret disagreements as personal offenses. How many of you know that if, that if we have a disagreement with someone, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean anything different than we just disagree about a thing, right? Yeah, we can move past that. Uh, number four, are easily hurt. Yeah, keep going, man. Uh, emotional children, complain, withdraw, manipulate, take revenge, become sarcastic when they don't get their way. That one stung me this week, you know? Uh, and then finally, have great difficulty discussing their needs and wants in a mature and loving way. Uh, Here's part of what it means to be emotionally mature. You can actually tell someone else 
what it is you're hoping for or what you want in just a real plain and direct way. You don't even have to like flower up the language. Part of what it means to be an adult is to be able to say to someone else, you know what, this is what I need in this moment or this is what I'm hoping for or what I want. Okay, let's go on. Adolescents tend to be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism. They keep score, they, they keep score of what they give so that they could ask for something later in return. Dang, Gina. <laughs> Deal with conflict poorly, often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party. Nobody does that. <laughs> Pouting, ignoring the issue entirely, becoming preoccupied with themselves. Let's keep moving. Have great difficulty truly listening to another person's pains, disappointments, or needs. Are critical and judgmental. Is there another one, Cody? Oh, well, we're on adults. We're killing it right now. Adults are able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer. Clearly, directly, and honestly. Again, that, that idea is coming back up. Uh, by the way, uh, how many of you know that even when you can ask for what you need and want or hoping for clearly and directly without manipulation, how many of you know that the other person may not give that to you and may not want to and don't have to, right? Yeah, just because you want it doesn't mean you get it. But, but an adult is able to say, hey, this is what I'm hoping for and need. Okay. Uh, recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts or feelings. That's a really big one. How many of you know that no one else in this room is responsible for your feelings other than you? No one's responsible for my feelings other than me. That's me. That's what an adult is. Okay. Can, when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. That's hard. Respect others without having to change them. Give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. Appreciate people for who they are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and not for what they give back and accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weakness and are able to, to freely discuss them with others. Uh, have you ever met someone who could actually talk about their own faults with you in like a really kind of like open and really kind of like non-serious way? Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, that's a, that's a person you want to be near, you know? So you can say, you know what? I'm weak in this area. That's, that's really amazing. Thanks, Cody. There's some, uh, there's some things there some stages of emotional maturity. It's in the book. I'd highly recommend that everybody get the book, read the book, and then just sort of like look at that and then think about your own life and maybe where you're at. Um, this is all out of chapter seven. And chapter seven has a ton of stuff in it. But here's what I want to do this morning. I want to highlight and focus in on one little piece of chapter seven this morning. And I want to talk about managing healthy conflict. Is that okay? So I want to take just a few moments and talk about managing healthy conflict. Uh, most people do not enjoy conflict. Most people do not enjoy conflict. Uh, no one rolls out of bed thinking, you know what I'm hoping for this morning? I'm hoping for a couple good fights, <laughs> you know? Well, you know what would really make my day? I would really love to, I'd really love to disagree with someone, you know? You know, I can't go to bed happy until me and somebody at work have had words, you know? Uh, that's usually not what people are like. In fact, most of us avoid conflict. But here's what I want you to know. Avoiding conflict has consequences. Uh, has consequences in your life, in the shape that your life takes. But how many of you know that it also has like internal consequences on your emotions? And if those are not resolved, those internal conflicts, they leak into other areas. So anything that's unresolved will leak somewhere else, okay? Not only that, but the unresolved internal conflicts 
that we're not managing well, they can actually become health issues for us. There's a 2013 survey that showed that if you become highly conflict avoidant, it will damage your health and increases your risk of premature death and including cancer. You're like, you're like, what? Yes, literally the ways in which we manage the internal anxiety and especially conflicts, it's not just having uh, an effect to, on us in this moment, but it strings out over a lifetime, you know? And here's, here's sort of the punchline this morning. Healthy adults are able to have disagreements and be able to keep moving on and we're not just conflict avoiders. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that people avoid and I just wanna lay out a couple. Uh, number one, we have, we have wrong beliefs about conflict. We have wrong beliefs about conflict. And then number two, we simply don't know what to do. How many of you have ever had uh, some sort of like conflict sort of like on the edge of your life and you knew you needed to do something about it, but you just didn't know what to do? You didn't even know where to start. Well, those are the two main reasons we avoid conflict. And here's what I wanna do right now. I just wanna talk to you for a moment about wrong beliefs. Uh, when it comes to wrong beliefs, Gosh, they abound for all kinds of reasons. But for Christians in particular, sometimes, sometimes we avoid conflict because we have, we have bad interpretations of good scriptures in our minds. Cody, can we put up Matthew chapter five, verse nine? Jesus says this, God blesses those who work for peace, right? They'll be called children of God. Like how many people in the room want to be called a child of God? And you're like, I want to be a child of God. I'm going to work for peace or I'm going to be a peacemaker. And so because I'm going to be a peacemaker, I'm just, I'm going to avoid conflict because God doesn't want me to have conflict, right? And how many of you know that's not what Jesus is talking about, right? So we take a, we take a good scripture, but we interpret it poorly and then we become conflict avoiders. Or, or maybe this one, this is one that came to my mind this week. Um, this is out of Romans chapter 14, verse one. Paul says, accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right and wrong. You know, you can read that and be like, you know, ah, I want to be a good Christian. And I, I, man, there's this thing, but I'm just not going to bring it up because I don't want to argue with people. Paul says, don't do it, you know? Yeah, and so sometimes we become conflict avoiders because we have poor interpretations of scripture. We want to take the Bible seriously. And so we become conflict avoiders. Um, here's the other thing we sometimes do. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll take these verses and, and instead of just being like, well, I have a poor interpretation in my head, sometimes we're doing something slightly different and we're using these verses as a shield so that I don't have to do it, right? Get to give myself a little space. Again, poor interpretation. All right, here's what I'd like to, for us to do for a moment though. Think about the life of Jesus. Think about Jesus in the gospels. Uh, how much conflict did Jesus have in the gospels? The answer is a lot. Uh, and, you, and if you look at the Gospels and if you look at Jesus, uh, the conflict in his life is basically on every page. Somebody's, somebody's always uh, either a little bit upset with Jesus or a whole lot upset with Jesus. And it's amazing how Jesus would, would do things sometimes knowing that it was gonna create a stir. Wow, huh? So one of the things we have to see is that even in Jesus, our, our ultimate role model, you can't always avoid conflict, and sometimes we have to move towards it, right? Now, uh, is Pastor Adam saying, okay, everybody, go out and just blast people? <laughs> no, of course not. What I'm saying is that there are things in our life 
There are things in our life that we sometimes cannot avoid. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he was not a conflict avoider. And conflict doesn't necessarily mean you're moving in the right direction. It oftentimes means you're moving towards health because you're moving towards reality, right? Because conflict is oftentimes the early stage sign that you and I have decided we're no longer gonna lie about a situation or me or you. Does that make sense? Okay, so sometimes... Sometimes we just think, I don't want to do conflict because I'm trying to be a good Christian or I've read the Bible poorly. I'll tell you a really quick story. Uh, just this week, just this week in my own life, I had, uh, I had three conflicts to work out this week. And that's not normal, you know? But this week I had three conflicts. Uh, one of them was pretty small. Uh, one was small, but had the opportunity to go very sideways. <laughs> Anybody know those? It's like, it's not a big deal, but you know that you got to weigh your words just right because the, the possibility for this thing to go nuclear is just enormous, you know? I had one of those. And then I had, a, then I had another one that was medium. And it was, I, I ranked them, by the way, small, medium, and large, right? And I had another conflict that was medium. And the reason it was medium is because it had a personal component to it. And it required me to voice some things that I wish I didn't have to say, Right? And it was a, it, this was between me and a friend, actually. And I had to tell a friend this week, hey, I feel like, I feel like you haven't treated me like a friend, right? And here, here's, what's, here's what's interesting about that. Going into that little moment in that discussion with that person, um, I didn't want to do it because it was a friend, right? And, and uh, there are still some things for us to work out and we're going to work them out, like we're on the path. And here's the, thing, the other part too, this is very interesting. I had a good deal of disappointment and a little bit of anger going into that conversation. And after having said, I don't feel like you've treated me like a friend, I realized that after we had this discussion and I went home, I realized that my emotions about the situation and that person were completely different. Does that make sense? Like there's still something for us to work out, but the anger had gone somewhere. And I, by the way, it wasn't me yelling at them either, you know? It was just me being able to say in an honest way, hey, I don't feel like we've, we've done the friendship thing here very well right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you because this is just what it means to be an adult sometimes, right? Okay, here's the second reason we avoid conflicts. We just don't know what to do. We haven't been trained. Uh, we don't have any tools. We don't have any skills. How many of you know that nobody who becomes a firefighter uh, runs into a house that's on fire with people inside of it without having had some training. And aren't you glad, right? How many of you also know this, that when firefighters are training, they train to fight fires when the consequences are low, right? They get the skills for entering when the house is not on fire. They get the skills for uh, saving people when there's not someone actually in there. It's just, a, it's just a crash test dummy. It's like a bag of sand, right? Why? because it's important to get the language and to practice the skills when the consequences are low. And sometimes when we don't have the skills and we haven't had the training, we just don't know what to do. So we become conflict avoiders. We need trained and everything. Uh, several people in my family own businesses uh, and we have a running joke in our family. What do you have to train people in? Everything. <laughs> everything, literally everything everything. And this is true for me and it's true for you. Like, what do we need trained in? Everything. Hey, if you want to have a great marriage, what do you need trained in? Everything. If you want to have a healthy work environment, what do you need trained in? Everything. Uh, if you want to have healthy 
uh, and growing human relationships, like actual friendships, it will require us to learn how to manage uh, disagreement and conflict. And if we become conflict avoiders, it will mean we do not have lifelong friends. It will mean we will not flourish at work. It will mean our marriages will have huge gaps and holes in them because somebody will be lying. Uh, this is part of what it means to grow up in a healthy way. We need to practice these kinds of skills when the intensity is not at 100. Uh, one more little example I remembered this week. How many of y'all remember being in elementary school and they, they taught you what to do when there was a tornado? <laughs> How many of you still remember it? What do you do when there's a tornado? You go into the, you go into the hallway and you get the, you get the kindergartners and you put the kindergartners closest to the wall, right? And then you put the fifth graders over them like this. Do y'all remember that? Amy's shaking her head. Homeschooled. No, I'm, I have no idea. I have no idea. California. Earthquake, exactly. Yeah, they didn't have it, right? Yeah, but if you grew up here, like in the South or the Midwest, man, tornadoes. When did we practice tornadoes? When there wasn't a tornado, right? Yeah. Uh, Amy, what did you guys do for earthquakes? Um, under, the desk. under the desk, of course. Yes, get under your desk. Yeah. Go, to, go into the, I don't know, get away from a window. Yeah. So, hey, listen, we need, we need to practice skills when we're not under the pressure. Tell you, tell you one more story here. Many years ago, when I first became a pastor, we had, we had a situation here uh, at the church. And, you know, it's church, so there's always little situations floating around. But this one was, this one was not small or medium. It was like, it was like large, you know? And uh, I, it was one of those things that I had to get involved in. And because I had to get involved in it, I did. And in my life, I've never really been a conflict avoider. So I just went, I just went straight to it, right? And I handled the situation. And I thought I did pretty good. <laughs> I thought I did pretty good. Check this out, though. Probably 11 years after this, this is not a joke, 11, 11 or 12 years after this, I had not thought about this situation since it was dealt with. I am laying in my bed one night and anybody ever just sometimes just wake up at you know, 2 or 3 a.m. and you just can't go back to sleep? I woke up at 3 a.m. and I am laying on my back. My wife is asleep beside me. Ever, the house is so quiet and this situation popped in my brain. And I reviewed this situation and I, and I realized I totally screwed this up. 11 years ago, I thought I handled it well, but now, 11 or 12 years later, I realized I handled this so poorly. So at 3 a.m., I hop up and I write this person an email. And I said, hey, I did not handle the situation with you well at all. And here's what I got wrong. And I just sort of outlined it, you know? Anybody, anybody ever wrote that kind of an email? God, that sucks. It's just terrible, you know? And they're not, and here's what's worse. They're not even, they're not around anymore. They live real, very far away. So it's like, oh, God, God, do it. I have to do an email, you know? It just felt horrible. Anyway, the, the person was gracious with me, wrote me back, forgave me. We're good, right? Like they're a Christian, I'm a Christian. We worked it out. We did the, the Colossians 3 thing, but, but, but what I realized was because when I was younger, I had had no training in helping 
like do conflict resolution or even knowing what to do or even how to like talk about difficult things, I just realized some very basic things I just got wrong, 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 right? And this has probably had ramifications not only in that person's life, but, but in mine. And it's led to this break in a relationship and ah, it just bummed me out. Anyway, why am I telling this story? Uh, I'm just telling this story because we all need training and we need tools and uh, also because we can learn to do this stuff well. That's why we need training. Okay, uh, just a couple tools. I just wanna pass out a few things this morning that can help us not be conflict avoiders, but to move towards difficulty and then manage it well, okay? Uh, Number one, it's in the book. It's called Speaking and Listening. Everybody in the room say, duh. 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 Speaking and listening. Uh, The first tool in conflict resolution or just like not being an avoider is something called speaking and listening, which is, uh, it, it's so basic, right? It's like, it's this commitment to not talk about people, but instead to talk to them, right? But then, but then once we've committed to not talk about someone and instead talk to them, we need to know like, what is the nature of the conversation? What is the nature of the conversation? Well, it goes something like this. Um, as a speaker, like if, if I'm gonna talk with someone else and if we're working something out, as a speaker, I'm committed to using I language, you know? Uh, This is how I think and this is how I feel instead of what? You, you, yeah. Instead, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use I language. Hey, this thing is happening between us. I'm thinking this and I'm feeling this, right? And and I'm gonna speak about those kinds of things and I'm gonna speak without yelling, right? And I'm gonna share my thoughts and my feelings and, and I'm going to speak until I feel like I'm understood. And sometimes this requires us to actually slow down. So speaking and listening. But then as the listener, as the listener, I'm going to do my best to put just my agenda on hold and I'm going to be as quiet and still as possible. And I'm going to let the, the other person speak until they get their thoughts out. And I'm going to do my very best to not do any interrupting. So there's speaking and listening. Okay, but here's the other component to this. As the listener to the, best that I'm be- to the best that I'm able, I'm going to reflect back to the person what I think I heard them say, right? Hey, before we go any further, I think what you were telling me is X, Y, and Z, right? And then they will say, yes, you get it. Or no, that's not what I was saying. I'm saying this, da 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 And then you reflect back. Anybody ever done some reflection? Yeah, if you've gone to therapy, you've done reflecting, right? Yeah, it's actually great. Why? Because because it means we're getting on the same page. Okay, two more things here from Uncle Pete that are really good. As the listener, after I've listened, I've, I've not interrupted, and I've like reflected back to the other person, hey, is this really what you're saying? And they're like, yeah. Uh, he gives two questions that are really, really wonderful. Number one, uh, is there anything more? This is actually a tool I've learned many years ago, and this is almost always where the truth comes. If somebody comes to you and you're working something out, they tell you and you reflect, if you, before you leave, if you will ask the person, is there anything more? Almost always there is because the first thing they've shared with you, with you is almost in some ways an emotional test to see if they can trust you, right? And so if you will say, is there anything more? Almost always there's something more and the something more is usually the thing that's actually the thing. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay, then, then the last question that Uncle Pete gives us, and it's really good, is this one. What is the most important thing that you've said that you'd like me to remember? 
right? As the listener. And by the way, can I tell you something? Those two questions are really brave, right? They're really brave. It actually, even, even if you voice those questions poorly, you know, if you stumble over your words or if, or if even if you're feeling some anger while you're saying those things, uh, to say those questions, it forms a kind of humility in your heart and it will change who you are. It actually matures you and it strengthens the relationship with the other person. Does this make sense? So speaking and listening. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, number two, tool. Stop mind reading. Stop mind reading. What does this mean? In other words, this tool is about making fewer assumptions. I just want to read you a few lines straight out of the book. Here's what, here's what he says. He says, every time I make an assumption about someone who has hurt or disappointed me without confirming it, I believe a lie about this person in my head. This, the assumption is a misrepresentation of reality. And because I have not checked it out with the other person, it is very possible I'm believing something untrue. It is also likely I will pass that false assumption around to others. When we leave reality for a mental creation of our own doing, which includes hidden assumptions, we create a counterfeit world where God does not live. Isn't that good? Yeah. So, so what does it mean to like work things out? It means I'm not going to live in my head and, and live on the assumptions. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go talk to the person and I'm going to check them out. And how do you do that? Well, maybe you just, maybe you chat with the person and, and, he, and Pete, he gives this, this little, little formational question. He says, if you want to stop mind reading, go to the person and say this, do I have your permission to check out an assumption that I'm making with you? You know? And if the person says yes, then you go, hey, here's what I think you're thinking. Here's what I think you're thinking. Is that true? Again, how many of you recognize that's brave? Yeah, yeah, that's brave because there's something about that, that, about that moment that requires some trust. But, but that is where, where we have to lean in. Or I think you think, hey, can I check out an assumption that I'm making? They're like, yes. Well, I, I think that you think this. Is that true? Is that true? Get the, and you just give the other person a chance to respond. Okay, let's keep moving here. Working it out. Tool number three, clarifying expectations. My goodness, how much of conflict rests in unmet expectations? You know, unmet expectations. We just walk around having expectations of others all the times and, and they have expectations of us. And sometimes what we need to do is we need to do some investigation. Um, Cody, can you help me out here? In order for an expectation to be established, they must be four things. Conscious. I am aware of the expectation I have of the other person, right? Uh, realistic. I have to ask myself if my expectations regarding the other person are actually realistic. Can it be done? Should it be done? Okay. Spoken. I have to speak my expectations clearly, directly, and respectfully. And then finally, this is actually the most important one, agreed upon. In order for my expectations to be valid, they must be agreed upon, right? Like a lot of times we have hurt feelings or we have uh, things that are not worked out relationally or there's some, some bit of conflict. And the reason we do is because there's unmet expectations, but, but unless they're conscious, unless I've spoken them, and unless we've agreed upon them, both parties, then the expectation 
is not valid. Even if I want it in my heart, unless the other person has agreed to the expectation, it simply isn't valid. And so in order for expectations to be met, they have to be spoken about, they have to be agreed to, and then we can work it out. Does this make sense? I hope you notice that all of these little tools are about getting us to talk to people rather than about them. Every single thing. More conversation with people about what really matters to us is essential. Here's what it takes for all of this to work. More curiosity. You know, anytime anxiety goes up, usually our curiosity goes down. This is just classic family systems, Friedman stuff. And by curiosity, I mean more questions, right? Anytime conflict or anxiety goes up, usually Usually curiosity goes down and we move into the territory of assumptions and family patterns that we've picked up in our households without even knowing it. And we just, we get dumber. And because we oftentimes get dumber, anxiety actually does make us dumber. We need to become more curious, becoming more curious and asking more questions that gives us more information and allows us to be smarter rather than dumber. So anytime there's something going on between us, Asking more questions is always the way to go. And have you ever noticed that asking a question is so much more useful than just walking into a room and go, you're doing this, you know. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. Hey, can I, can I ask you a question, right? Yeah. Employ curiosity. Uh, the good news for everybody in the room is that these are skills. We can learn them and we can grow in our ability. And if they're employed early, they keep us from bigger meltdowns. I want to read you one scripture finally this morning. Uh, it was read so well this morning by Fabio and Valesca. This is just one little piece. Paul says this, make allowance for each other's faults. Hey, church, make allowance and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you got to forgive others. And above, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Beautiful. I want to live into that. Uh, the question is, uh, not so much is that beautiful, it clearly is, but the question is this, how do we do it? How do we actually do it? How do we make allowance for other people's faults? How do we forgive? Uh, how do we clothe ourselves with love? And how do we allow ourselves to be bound together in perfect harmony? Oh, here's how. We, we talk to each other rather than about each other. We employ curiosity. We ask more questions. Uh, we, we let go of mind reading and assumptions. Uh, we check out our assumptions with someone else, you know? And when it comes to expectations, we don't even allow expectations to ruin our heart unless we've actually worked it out with the other person, right? Hey, uh, here's what I would really love uh, for us in our relationship. I would love for our friendship to be like this. And the other person's like, yeah, I think that seems reasonable, great. All of a sudden, more harmony. How do we do this? We ask questions, we employ curiosity, we speak and listen, we let go of expectations that haven't been agreed upon. These are actually concrete steps for increasing the very thing that Paul is writing to us about and the very way that Jesus lived. Does that make sense? All right, so here, here's what I know about a subject like this. We've heard it, it's hard to do. 
It's really hard to do. So here's what would be good. Even this week, you, you, you might have to listen to this message again. Uh, you might have to go real slow in the book and underline something. Uh, you might realize there's a situation in my family or workplace or with somebody in my neighborhood, and I need to practice this, right? Uh, look, go slow, and even, even uh, doing this poorly is better than not doing it at all, and you will get better, right? And Jesus will help us. But the first step is to just get the language, and then the second step is to, it's, is to be the sort of person who is determined to make some kind of change in my life. Like without actually practicing, we will not change. Like we have to practice it. Like how do we forgive like the Lord forgave? Oh, we'll have to work it out. And we'll probably have to work it out with people in this room. Uh, we'll have to work it out. And we'll probably have to work it out with people in our family. Like this week. If you have a wife and kids, if you have a husband and children, if you have a next door neighbor, I promise you we'll have to work it out probably before the month is over, right? Yeah, but give ourselves some grace knowing that this stuff doesn't happen instantly. Mm. How many of you know you, no, one, no one accidentally becomes like Jesus? No one falls down the stairs and then stands up and they're like Jesus. <laughs> nope, nope, you, you go slow, you go slow and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go check out my expectations. I'm going to go check out my assumptions. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go talk to this person. I'm going to go figure it out rather than just like die inside for a month over something that was nothing. Amen? Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of The Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at The Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.